Amen. And I think what Lindsay just shared just goes perfectly with what I said a little bit earlier in the service. Is that we keep things pretty simple around here. Here, here, Here's our big aim. We want to get around Jesus. We want to get around the scriptures. And we want to get around each other. And then the world that he's called us to. Can we kind of, is that cool? Like, hey, we want to get around him. We want to get around his word. That's how we get to know him. We want to get around each other. And then we want to get around the places and people he's called us to go and live our lives out with purpose. So I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, Is anyone else in the room have a love-hate relationship with this guy? Or is it just me? Like when things are good between us, they're really good. I mean, we're high-fiving each other. We're watching movies at night together. Godfather's favorite. We're, we're, We're hanging out a lot. But when things are bad... It's always the scale's fault in our relationship. It's never me. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but I give the scale plenty of time to change its mind. Anybody else? Anybody else just like, no, every 30 seconds, I'm giving my scale in the relationship a chance to change its mind about what it believes to be true about me. And some of you have scales like that that are faulty. And you're, you're, anybody have like a faulty scale? You know that if you just keep getting on it, it's going to go three or five pounds in the other direction. And so you just keep, you know, in the, but then sometimes if you have that scale, you step on it and it's bad to start with. And then it gets worse. Anybody have that? This one's like, it's so consistent. It's, it's, uh, it's unnervingly consistent. It's like whatever it says that day, I can go back 30 minutes later. It's going to say the same thing and hopeless. And the scale really in our, I don't know about you and your scale, but me and my scale, it's always the problem between the two of us. Okay, the scale isn't the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm the problem. I'm going to own it, okay? I am actually the problem. And being obsessed with what the scale tells me really hasn't helped me at all. You see, there are some things I can do to make the scale change its mind. Did you know that? Like, I can actually do a few things. I've been told. I don't know from experience. But I've been told that I can do a few things differently. And the scale will actually change its mind. I can consume less calories. I can, I can say no to the caramel corn at AT&T Park. Okay, I can say no to some other things besides that. I, I can exercise more. I can drink only water plus seven cups of coffee a day. I, I can get down and do some things different and actually make the scale change its mind. Well, just like me with a scale, so many of us in this room, we want to be productive. We want the results of our lives to look different. But so often we're seeing the same result after same result after same result. And like I get frustrated with this guy back here. You're frustrated with the things that keep showing up consistently in your life. And you just keep going. I want it to the outcome to be different. I want the result to be something different. But you keep giving the same input and process, hoping things will be different. And it just doesn't work that way. Same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. I want to tell you something that might be a little bit shocking to hear in the environment in which we live. Jesus cares more about us being productive than we care about being productive. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how type A you are, how driven you are, what great ideas you have. And you're all about like just producing, producing, producing. Jesus cares more about you producing than you do. He also cares a whole lot about what it is that you're producing. And really the parable of the sower that we've been in, we're, we're going to take our last visit there today. We've been in there all of August. So if you have a Bible, we're in Mark chapter four, one more time. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Just keep your hands up. We've got great volunteers that will hand you a Bible. Mark chapter four, we've been in the parable of the sower. Keep your hands up and you can have one. It's all yours. Mark chapter 4 is where we've been. We'll be in verses 8 and 20 for this morning, but let me catch you up if you haven't been there, been been here for maybe the whole month of August. We've been in this parable called the parable of the sower in which Jesus tells the story. Remember, a, a parable is a story Jesus told with imagery that tells us about what the reality of life in the kingdom is like. 
And so we did an overview August 2nd, and then we began to look at the four unique episodes in the parable. Today we're looking at the fourth one. So if you'll stand with me, we'll look at verses 8 and 20. In verse 8, it's just the fourth episode in the parable that Jesus spoke to the big crowd. And in verse 20, it's the fourth episode of his explanation when it was just him and the disciples. So here's 4 verse 8. If I can get there. Jesus says, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So just the teaching on the surface is the, the seeds that got into the good soil, they actually lived up to their full potential. Don't miss this. They actually became everything they were intended and purposed to become because of the kind of soil they fell in. They grew, they multiplied, and the yield was 30x, 60x, or 100 times what the seed was. Back in the day, not that I know from experience, but a good crop was 10 times the, the, the yield of the soil. A, a, a yield was 10 times for a good crop. And so Jesus is saying, in the imagery at least, three times, six times, 10 times more than what was considered a really great crop. Now in verse 20, here's the reality that he gave to his disciples. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Now remember, when you're looking at a parable, everything in the parable corresponds to something in reality. So the seed in the parable corresponds to the word of God. The soil in the parable corresponds to our hearts as we hear the word of God. But what's incredible is that the math is the same in the parable and in reality. Isn't that fascinating? It's not like, hey, I didn't really mean 30x. I really meant like just a little bit or a a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Jesus says, no, that if my word gets in you and you get rooted in it and it gets rooted in you, the yield that's going to be produced in your life, what we call productivity, what the Bible refers to as fruitfulness, it'll be 30 times or 60 times or 100 times what was sown in you. Who wants that kind of result? Yeah, me too. And the four of you who do have a seat and let's see if we can got to change my message. Just got to give a little, we got to get motivated and then, and then we'll get that. Listen, if I was in an invest, if we were in an investment seminar right now and I said, Hey, if you just do these couple of things, you can have 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times your return. Every one of us would be like, yes, I want in on that. And so Jesus says, here's how you get in on that. And we're like, no, Jesus, I need to make it harder than that. Jesus is like, no, just accept it. Just receive it. Just let your heart be the kind of right soil, and I will do the hard part. And we're like, no, Jesus, I'll hire a coach. I'll work extra hours. I'll read the book about it. I'll figure it out, whatever the case. And Jesus is like, no, if you'll just accept it, and it gets into you firmly and deeply, everything else takes care of itself. But you have to understand, when Jesus says accept, it's not us saying, hey, I'm cool with that. Okay? It's us saying, Jesus, I accept it. I accept it as truth. I accept it as my truth. I accept it, and I'll show you I accept it by submitting and orienting my life around you and your word. That's what acceptance looks like, okay? People ask me all the time, you know, is such and such accepted at Epic? I was like, it depends on what your definition of accepted is, right? So just so we understand, when Jesus says, if you accept this word, he means if you adhere to it as your truth, because it is true, and you adhere to its truth by orienting or submitting your life to it. All of us want to be productive, but we could be going about it the wrong way. And Jesus is like, if you'll just accept it, and if it gets into you, I'll do the heavy lifting. 
here at Epic, whenever we're doing a new teaching, we want to examine what is God's part in the equation? What is our part? So with this message today, here it is. Our part is to get rooted. God's part is to produce fruit. Okay? Your part, your obligation, your responsibility, that's also a privilege, is to get rooted in Christ and the scriptures and then let him do the hard part, the heavy lifting of causing fruit to come out into your life. But remember this. Jesus said, Satan wants to take that out of your life. He said that the storms of life, the persecution that comes in life will threaten to undo his word in your life. And he says it can be choked out from last week's message. It can be choked out by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. And so it's not automatic. But if you get rooted in Christ, productivity is going to happen. See, if you're anything like me, I constantly just get consumed with results and outcomes. Anybody else? And sometimes, I, whatever it might be, I, I fail to step back and say, wait a minute. What am I doing to cause the outcome that exists today? And what should I do different from an input and process standpoint to get a different outcome? You see, if you just keep saying, hey, I, I want it to be different. I want it to be different. I want it to be different. But you don't do anything that makes it different. Then you're just going to be stuck with what you're getting today. I know most of us aren't that excited about what's being produced in our lives maybe today. And we want to see more productivity, at least from the kingdom of God perspective. Now, in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, Luke says, he adds this part about what Jesus' explanation was that we read in verse 20. He says this, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. There are a ton of things that are awesome about us being able to get instant gratification, right? Like some of you right now, you can order lunch to have it delivered to the church. Just add a second one to whatever it is that you're ordering. You can go online right now and pay your bills. You know, two weeks, I know some of you guys and a few of you girls are going to be, while I'm teaching, you're going to be working on your fantasy football rosters that you forgot to set the night before. I'm going to call you out, okay? Just telling you. We're going to have spies among the crowd. We get things quickly, and I'm all for that. Some of you are creating or have created things that allow the rest of us to get things faster than we've ever gotten it before, and we want to say thank you. But the problem comes when we expect our spiritual reality to look like that instant gratification as well. The spiritual reality is that fruit isn't always in season. The spiritual reality is... Blessed are those who wait on the Lord because he's doing something in us. The spiritual reality is that sometimes it's pruning season and not harvest season. Does that make sense? But people tell me, and this is a frequent thing people tell me. Like, hey, Ben, I'm trying to take some of that advice you're giving from Sunday or from this meeting or from small group. And I've started living my life the way God wants me to live it, but I haven't seen anything improve. And I'm like, okay, okay, don't, don't freak out. I was like, how long have you been doing that? And they're like, I don't know, like three hours. Like, okay, just stick with it, you know, like, or three days or three weeks. And here's the thing. Jesus has made a promise that if we can't trust him at this word, you don't need to trust him for anything. He says, if you get rooted, fruit's coming. If you just get rooted, fruit's coming, but it may not come as fast as we want it to. It's not always in season. But if you get rooted in Christ and his word gets rooted in you, fruit is going to come. It's just a fact. Now imagine that it's December 1st and there's a husband and wife combo that have just taken over ownership of a vineyard, but they don't know anything about the process. They don't even care in their minds. They just know it's going to be awesome. We're going to have great fruit. We're going to produce amazing wine and we're going to become well-known just because of that. 
So December comes and December goes and husband and wife, they're both frustrated with each other and, and with this decision. They're second guessing because right now December has just ended. They've had the vineyard for 30 days and they see what? No fruit. They're like, hey, we're going to be a little more patient. So they go into January. But then it's January 20th. There's nothing that looks any different. And the husband decides, we have been scammed. And we need to get rid of this and just move on to something else. And they basically have a fire cell for the vineyard. And someone else gets an incredible deal on it. That's how many of us approach our lives. We just want the results. And when we don't see the results, we're like, I need to get out of this. I I need to try something else because this religion thing, this Jesus thing, this Bible thing, it's not working for me. But if the guy had stayed and if he would have learned what inputs needed to be made at the vineyard, he would have enjoyed an incredible crop. But he gave up on it because he didn't see it today. If you walk away from your faith because of what you do or don't see today, you're going to miss it as well. You are. In January 2012, at the time, Tim, Lindsay, and I went up to observe a vineyard. We just wanted to know kind of, there's so much imagery from the vineyard in the scripture. We wanted to understand the process. Like, hey, how does this work? And, and uh, at the vineyard that we were at, the caretaker of the property spent some time with us. And if you've ever been on a tour or got kind of the behind the scenes look, it's just incredible how it all works. And I'll never forget what he said. So many fascinating things. But this was in January. I I knew that harvest was like August, September-ish. But it blew my mind how much he had to take care of things in January. He said this. He said, if the temperature drops below a certain point, and it's in the middle of the night, that's usually when the lowest temperature happens. If it's in the middle of the night, there's an alarm that sounds on the vineyard. And, or on the property, and it, he hears it while he's sleeping, and he has to get up in the dead of his sleep, get into his truck, ride around the vineyard, and spray every single tree on the property. Because if he doesn't take care of it in January, there will not be any fruit, or it will be damaged fruit come August or September. I thought, what an amazing spiritual lesson. Some of us think we should only spend time with God as if we're getting something awesome fruit-wise before I go to sleep tonight. But let me tell you this, if you want to bear fruit in your life one month from now or one year from now or a decade from now, you best get rooted now. Anybody else learn that that, that at the time that you needed to be rooted, it's too late to get rooted for that thing? Right? It's not that it's too late for the next thing, but when I'm in the middle of something, I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have given up my Bible time. I shouldn't have stopped praying because sometimes when things are awesome, we sort of give the rooted part up because we think the fruit is going on. A principle you and I need to really lean into is the sowing and reaping principle in the scriptures. Okay, never stop sowing. When you are not reaping, keep sowing and you will reap. When you are reaping, if you don't sow while you're reaping, you will eventually have nothing to reap. Praise, you had something on Instagram a while back, something about yesterday's hustle. Can you give me that statement? Today's profit is from yesterday's hustle. That's the praise Santos translation from the Bible. But I love it. It's the same idea. It's what the Bible calls sowing and reaping. Today's profit comes from yesterday's hustle. It's so true. So what I can't do is decide, hey, do I have a big event going on in my life today? If so, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to read the Bible today. But if not, I'm just, I think sleep's a little more productive today. That's not true. You know what? I don't spend time with God and in his word every day because the aha moment's going to be amazing today necessarily. But I know that if I do it today and I do it tomorrow and I do it eventually, it's going to show up in my life. And the same is true for you. 
Here's the thing. If the only scripture you're getting is when you come to church, you're like a person who eats one meal a day, or one meal a week, really. If you're not feeding yourself spiritually, and we're glad to help out. We'll give Bibles away. If we can help with the reading plans, whatever. But if you neglect that and then get frustrated that there's no fruit being produced in your life that you think you should be producing, there's obvious reasons for that. We want to help you guys. Again, we want to be a community that centers around Jesus, his word. And here's why. The, the scriptures say that his name and his word are exalted above all things. Above all things. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15 using this uh, imagery of the vine and the fruit and all that. I'll just give you a few words and, and you should go back and read it if you're unfamiliar or if it's been a while. In, in John 15, 4 through 8, listen to what Jesus says. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How many things did Jesus say we could do on our own? You're like, but Ben, he never met me. He knew of you then. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let me just ask you to internalize this question. What part of your life are you trying to live apart from Jesus? Is it your work life? It's like, no, Jesus, don't, you can't really enter this space. Is it your relational life? You're like, Jesus, I'm planning to spend the rest of my life with someone who doesn't think you exist. That's a whole separate sermon, and we'll get there in October, okay? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake sick that day and make Will teach it, but we will get there. We will get there in October. Does Jesus have a part in your relational life? This may sound obvious, but does Jesus have a part in your faith life? You're like, Ben, of course. What, what, what do you mean? Well, there's a way that we can approach God by trying to earn his love and his forgiveness rather than rest in and depend on Jesus to give that to us because of what he accomplished on our behalf. What part of your life does Jesus not get into? What is he not invited into? What kind of decision-making is he not a part of? You see, the reason the vision of Epic Church is to see an increasing number of people here in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus is because Jesus just said, hey, if there's any part of your life that's not being lived with me, it's good for nothing. That's so why we make it our aim to wrap our entire lives around Jesus. So he affects how we do relationships. He affects how we spend our money. He affects how we use and leverage our influence in the city and in the world. That's why we continue to press into, as a community, till you get tired of hearing it, we are going to continue to be the church that seeks to center on Jesus. Good with that? But your life needs to match up. You need to accept that as the reality of your own life, and I do as well. Let me just talk to you practically what this looks like. For me, not as a way to say, hey, copy me, just as a way to say, hey, here's the rhythm that I found that's helpful for me. Before I go to sleep each night, uh, the table beside the chair I sit in to read in the morning, I set my Bible, my journal, and my pen out. I'm just trying to give myself a head start, okay? I'm just trying to help myself start the day well, okay? So I start there. Uh, the coffee has to be set, right? Thank you, Shauna. 
She takes care of that. And the alarm clock has to be set, but it can't be like a good intention time. Does that make sense? Like, it's got to be like, just don't fake yourself out, okay? It's going to be the time that you're going to get out of bed, okay? And right now, some of you are wanting me to share my time, right? So some of you would feel guilty and others of you would feel very self-righteous. I'm not going to, all right? I'm not going to. But you need to have a plan. I need to have a plan. And mine differs even sometimes days of the week. Tuesdays through Fridays, it's a certain time. That changes a little bit on Mondays. It changes a little bit on Saturdays. Sunday is the same time. But that's a different kind of rhythm for me. You just need to have a plan. You need to have a plan for how you're going to stay rooted. If Jesus is telling the truth here, then every time we decide not to spend time in the word, not to spend time with him, what we're saying is, I'm going to produce something today, Jesus, but it's not going to be what you want me to produce. Just be practical about it and get into, get into his word so that we know what's going on. Because here's what many of us have done in our lives, even as followers of Jesus. Many of us, on the days where we don't spend time in the scriptures, it's usually because of one of two reasons. It's, it's because we thought sleeping would help us be more productive that day. Or we were awake, but in order for us to be productive, we didn't have time for the scriptures and prayer. Am I the only one that does that? I'm like, Jesus, yesterday was awesome because my to-do list wasn't so long. But today I've got so much to produce that I, and what ends up happening is that you forfeit the thing that would make you most productive. I forfeit the thing that would make me most productive. Jesus has said, if you'll get rooted in me, I will bear fruit. I'll do the heavy lifting. I will take care of you. And it'll be in a 30X, 60X, 100X kind of way. And we're like, no, Jesus, no time for that because I want to go produce what the world thinks is awesome and not be so into what you think is great. Paul, when he wrapped up his awesome wording about grace in Ephesians 2, he wraps it up with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he planned long ago. He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's the problem. If this happens, this will be a problem. If you go your entire life and get highly acclaimed by the world and have people think much of you, but you miss out on God's plans for your life and his purpose, then friend, you miss out. How incredible to know that Jesus created you and he planned for you to do things with your life. Isn't that awesome? And you're like, Ben, I know, but I'm just trying to look at the stars and try to see what, it, what, what does he want me to do with my life? How do I find it out? How do we find it out? Lots of practical things I could give you here, but I think if you stay rooted and connected and abide in him, he's going to whisper that into your heart. But if you just want to do a drive-by and not get rooted, like, hey, Jesus, tell me, but I got to go do this. When we begin to know the heart of God revealed to us in the scriptures and by his spirit and spend time with God, he begins to speak more clearly to us. And what we want to think in those moments, like, God, where were you this whole time? He's like, I was right here. Where, where were you? Where, where were you? In, in this Rooted series, I want to give you one verse that I hope you and I will make our goal verse in this idea. It says everything I think that you want to be true about your life and everything that I want to be true about my life. It's Jeremiah seventeen eight. Jeremiah seventeen eight. Before I read it, let me just say, we've got two weeks left in the Rooted series. Next week, we're going to try to give just practical handles on how to stay daily rooted in the scriptures. Two weeks from today, I'm going to teach on what it looks like to be rooted in community before we, as, we, as that's the day we launch our small groups. But let me give you this. What if this was true about you? It can be. He or she, Jeremiah seventeen eight, 
He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, if I asked any of you who wants that result, who would raise their hand? Come on, class. Does not cease to bear fruit, does not cease to produce awesome things in life. But don't miss the input. Because of Christ and because of his word, we can be like a tree planted by water. Not detached branches, but planted by the water. Sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. No matter what comes our way, we can live and be rooted in such a way that we still survive and end up thriving. It remains green. It is not anxious in the year of drought. It's not anxious in the year of drought. It's, you know what the tree is saying? Like, hey, it doesn't look good right now, but my story isn't over because I'm going to be the tree, the tree that never ceases to bear fruit. Jesus offers you that. So let me just ask you a question that I want you to internalize before we wrap up. How's your fruit? And if it's less than ideal, are you going to continue to try to figure it out your way or the world's way? Or are you going to accept and submit to the way Jesus has ushered us into this morning? Maybe we wish we wouldn't have been here this morning, but because we have been here, we've heard clearly the way. But I'll wake up Monday morning and decide if I'm going to pursue his thing or my thing. And you'll wake up Tuesday as well as me and you'll decide, am I going to do it his way or my way? And all of us will eventually get to the end of our lives and be well satisfied with what was produced in our lives or we'll have high regret because we either did it his way or we insisted on our own. Let's make a course correction if that's needed. Could you pray with me? God, it's exciting to imagine what it would look like for us as a community here known as Epic Church to collectively get rooted in you, to spend time with you, to see you produce fruit in our lives and in our church. God, I don't know what 30 or 60 or 100 times looks like, but I am thrilled to think about hundreds of people in the Epic community going, hey, we're going to stay rooted. We're going to be rooted in Jesus, rooted in his word, rooted in this community, and just see what gets produced out of that. Jesus, I thank you that you've given us a simple yet profound approach and process. I pray that you would come alive in hearts of people, men and women in this room who've never just said, hey, I'm going to build my entire life on Christ and what he's done. I pray that you would come and make your home in our hearts in a deep way and that what you would find from us is good soil in our hearts. So is that that is your word, the seed gets planted deeply. It lives up to its full potential in our lives. And we live out the good works that you planned for us long ago as individuals and as a people collectively. Jesus, I pray that we would sink into this process of being rooted in you and see what you might produce in our lives in the coming days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and let's just sing this. My heart is yours, God. But because my heart is yours, I'm going to root myself in you. It's worth it. It's the best use of our time.